0: The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Coleth, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. Unfortunately, I'm flying solo tonight because Anne is a little bit under the weather, but uh, my eye goes out her, and I hope she feels better and all good things go to her. But anyways, uh, we have... Next best thing to Ann, almost as good looking too. He is uh, my co host from Ghost Chronicles International, Mr. Parascience himself, Steve Parson.
1: Good evening, Ron. It actually is evening this time.
0: It's evening no matter where you are. Well, no, it's
1: not. It's uh, morning here. It's two minutes past midnight.
0: Is that really? Well, okay.
1: So, welcome to tomorrow.
0: No, it's not. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever.
1: It's Thursday but morning.
0: It is, it is, it is, it is, it is. So anyway, that's right. You are coming to us from the future. I forget about that.
1: I am but, your worst nightmare.
0: Yeah. Anyways, talking about nightmares and the, the, coming from the future, I want to come from the past today as we talk about, Uh, You're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, by the way, right here on Tojanet Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And I would like to talk about perhaps the greatest ghost hunter of all time. And I think that I'm not talking about, you know, Zach or or Jason. I'm talking about Harry Price. That fellow, a chap, I guess you say, chap uh that you know endearingly uh steve is that correct
1: uh well i never had the pleasure of meeting harry that's true um we're, we're some generations apart but uh- you rightly say is uh, one of the most famous ghost hunters in the world and some would argue one of the most controversial um, ghost hunters and psychical researchers because Harry was not just a ghost hunter in fact ghost hunting was actually quite a small part of what Harry did um, he really? probably indeed that's the case uh, he, he was much more uh, known in his day as being a tester of mediums and an exposer of fraudulent mediums So um,
0: he was, it was very similar to harry houdini i guess
1: um indeed the two men did 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 actually um converse uh, uh, but yeah i guess i guess that would be accurate harry price was uh, uh born in 1881 in london and he was uh an accomplished uh, magician, and he was also a bit of a playwright. He studied magician uh, magic and illusions, and he was fascinated by um, all of that sort of genre. And indeed, he went on to become quite a leading member of uh, the British magic circle and also the Society of American Magicians. And he was... Uh, A very, very skilled magician. He was also quite a skilled engineer um, and used those skills in order to develop uh, items of equipment that could be used within the seance room for testing the claims that were being made at that time by some of the the world's leading spiritualist mediums.
0: So before we go into that a little bit, I want to go take a step back and talk about this magician facet of uh, harry price because uh, i believe uh, i guess his reincarnation and today's modern world would be lloyd arbach because lloyd is pretty much a prestidigitist.
1: well do you know what there's there's actually quite a number of parapsychologists who are uh, interested in magic or, or even indeed began um, as magicians. You, um, many many may have uh, heard of Richard Wiseman, Professor Richard Wiseman, a British parapsychologist and a leading sceptical voice. Uh, he began um, his career As a magician and illusionist, also indeed uh, another um, professor of parapsychology, well known over this side of the Atlantic, and uh, uh, known also for his appearances on Most Haunted, was Dr. Matthew Smith.
0: Oh yes, yes, I remember him.
1: Yeah, again, uh, Matthew, who who for a while was my PhD supervisor, uh, himself a skilled magician. Um, So there is a there is quite a sort of tie between this this. Visual illusion and and love of magic and parapsychology so
0: which, which do you think came first for them was it the, the love of the magic or, or the the paranormal
1: I think you'd have to ask them, um, but i'm guessing okay. it's probably it's probably the magic has drawn them towards understanding the psychology of human interaction and the way people can be bamboozled, which has led to a, a desire to study it academically and,
0: and, and actually I think that's that's you know really interesting uh, that uh, you know they would do that. I, I can see how that could come handy in a lot of things. I mean, because you know it's simply amazing what some of the magicians do, and uh, it, it, it's slight of hand, and and even not even unintentional, but being able to understand how things work and happen can uh, help them in, in paranormal investigating. I would
1: assume um well it 's often been said that magicians in fact, I think probably the greatest uh, skeptic today is the great Randy, who himself is a magician oh, and yeah. who who, <laughs> who claims that uh, that parapsychologists or that uh, psychical researchers are actually not not properly equipped to deal with uh, fraudulent mediumship because it requires a magician in order to expose another magician, and of course, you know, you touched earlier on on, on Harry Houdini, mm-hmm. uh, who was, you know, in his latter years after the after the death of his mother, um, initially went to mediums as a way of trying to communicate with his with his mother, and then realised quite quickly that uh, that they were using the same sort of tricks that he was using in his stage show. Um, throughout his career, Houdini. But he was
0: uh, the, the funny thing about it, Steve. He was still a believer. He he wanted to believe in the paranormal.
1: But, Houdini,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, throughout his life, I mean, Houdini exposed many, many mediums, um, mm-hmm. and and became very embittered towards them because they were, as he as he said, they were charlatans. Be- but what Houdini was essentially doing, as he said in his own biography, is he was searching for. a a meeting uh, uh, with his mother, some proof that she'd survived. Um, You know, that message of hope from beyond the grave. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was the disillusionment and the realization uh, that the tricks that he used in his stage show were being employed against him, led Mm -hmm. him to expose so many mediums.
0: Right. And it's interesting because I met a magician who is a... Uh, a huge uh, I don't know what to, and I hate to say fan, but uh, a student of uh, Harry Houdini. In fact, he has some of Harry's side effects uh, in his possession. And, and uh, I did a, a, uh, an event with him last year, which was really interesting. And, and we ended up doing the Harry Houdini seance uh, with the actual words uh, from the last seance, and uh, actually recording from it and it was it was an interesting uh you know you could feel almost the energy in there uh you know i mean whatever it was psychological or not but it definitely was interesting let's put it that way i think there's
1: a common thread uh running between magic and psychical research i mean i'm just just glancing across at my own bookshelf at the moment Mm -hmm. and uh, i have a copy of a book called the boy's book of magic Um, And it was written by uh, a guy called Herawood Carrington, who is himself a leading psychical researcher and member of both the British Society for Psychical Research and and its American counterpart. Um, So, again, you have this sort of link between those who are interested in psychical research and mediumship um, and magic. Uh, So it's not really surprising that Lloyd, Lloyd Auerbach uh, and some of the British parapsychologists Mm -hmm. are are interested in in, in, uh, sleight of hand, visual illusions, psychological magic, Um, it it, it comes as no no real surprise.
0: Right. It it was interesting, uh, and and, uh, this is a little bit off-face, but I was watching uh, Midsummer's Murders, one of my favourite shows, you know that. uh, Yeah. yeah, There's a mystery
1: attached to that programme.
0: Yes, there
1: is. There is, how, how because uh, there can't be anybody left alive in the three villages of Midsummer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is true. The body count is heavy, but, uh, but it w- it's got to
1: be the detective.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's the one who's doing it all. But it, it was really interesting because w- there was one show that was on, and, and it was about magicians, uh, and uh, it actually showed how they could use words to influence a witness to make them say what they wanted them to say. And and that was I, I found intriguing and, and that I must I mean it must be right up the the lane of the parapsychologist. I mean
1: to, to uh, one of the things that uh, I think we we, we we do have to be careful of, and this applies to psychical research and to ghost hunters also, mm-hmm. is the sort of questions that you ask uh, when you're speaking to a witness. Because it is very, very simple to, to lead a witness, uh, to have them say pretty much what you want them to say. when we've devised questionnaires to deal with witnesses, um, it's something that we've we've had to be very, very careful about. And we've, I've seen the results of it firsthand. Uh, you know, a, a well, well-meaning ghost investigator goes along and offers an opinion, says perhaps, oh, yes, I think it might be a poltergeist. Um, and nowadays, of course, with Google, the person may never have heard of a poltergeist. Um, there are still some who who, who haven't. Um, And so they Google it, they see, you know, all sorts of horror stories, and that changes the nature of of their experience because all of a sudden there's there's an additional fear factor introduced by just one single word.
0: Right. I agree. It's really intriguing on, on the human mind and everything else. Uh, in fact, I was watching a show uh, just before I got on air. I was relaxing after I got back from the health club where I've lost 10 pounds and getting really buffed up here. So uh, I was relaxing. I put on Haunted Houses, and they had Lloyd Arborek and uh, one of my arch enemies, Joe Nickel, from Side Pops, uh on. And uh, he. it was really interesting because uh, – Joe Nichols says that there are no haunted places, there are only haunted people, and he feels that it, uh, that hauntings are really the creation of uh, people's imaginations and minds.
1: Well, that's his opinion, and he's entitled to it. Um some many including you and I would disagree with that that's an interest we should really have discussed that uh, your your uh, opinion of joe last night on ghost chronicles international with our guest last night who haley who's actually spent time with joe looking for the loch ness monster haley
0: uh, so yeah, yeah she was she was interesting I, I had a i enjoyed that show very much she's a yeah. skeptic but and she's the- a
1: she's a big fan of of joe nickel
0: right well, yeah i mean i understand he, you know he he's uh does have an english degree so i mean that qualifies him <laughs> to be a, qualifies him to be a parapsychologist i guess or or whatever
1: well so the, it, it, you know i i was asking some some um some mediums that were uh some some perfectly i thought legitimate questions on uh today and yeah. uh You know, science, we can't explain the paranormal. There are no explanations for the paranormal. So an English degree, I guess, is as good as any. There
0: you go. They would would argue. Right. So, I mean, whether you're a a plumber or an English teacher, it doesn't matter.
1: uh, Well, it does help to be a plumber because, uh, you you never know. Leaky taps and plumbing. Um, And, of course...
0: I have actually saw one of the shows where they they were able to discount one of the hauntings as, as a, a sewage problem, so.
1: Well, bless them. The Super Mario Brothers, that's a whole new show.
0: But you know what? They started it here in the United States, and I, I give them all the credit in the world for that.
1: I uh, and give as much credit as you like. Um, I still yeah. think the rep- I, still, I I I still like the, the you know my description of In fact, have you noticed the new um, the new Nintendo game has actually got the Super Mario Brothers chasing ghosts. Is that a case of uh, gone full circle? Could be. Could very well be. Speaking anyway. of chasing ghosts, uh just just going back to I just uh, reminded of uh, you, you know there 's a comedy aspect to modern to modern ghost hunting but there 's a comedy aspect to, to the earlier ghost hunters. I mean Harry, in his own biographies, tells uh, many of his stories of uh, his own ghost hunts, um, but the very first ghost hunt. Uh, he, he talks about. He describes in his book of the search for truth. It's actually quite an amusing story. I don't know how we're doing for time before, with a break coming up, but uh, if I could read you a small extract from it, where, it, where uh, it was about an hour before we heard any further sounds again from the room overhead, and again it sounded as if, sounded as if someone were walking heavily in clogs. Then we heard the steps approaching the dog gate at which point the entity paused. Then the steps moved on again, and we heard stamping down the stairs. Having arrived at the hall, our visitor appeared to stop. Perhaps it was, with ghostly curiosity, examining the arrangements we had made for taking its photograph. For a few minutes, we heard nothing. Then the clogs, and I I assume the wearer, stumped up the stairs again. When I estimated that the thumps were about halfway up the stairs, I pressed the push switch that I held in my hand. Then an extraordinary thing happened. In addition to the expected flash and explosion, the rays from which were so vivid that even the morning room from which we were directing operations was lit up by the light coming from under the door. Whatever it was on the stairs, distinctly stumbled. At the same time, a clattering down the stairs of some object made us hope that we'd shot the poltergeist to pieces. (laughs) For some moments, we too were startled or frightened to do anything. Then we bravely marched into the hall and made a tour of inspection. We found that the steps had moved slightly, but there was no sign of the ghost or the Waterbury watch case. This we found later in the stairs. The force of the explosion had projected the watch case up the stairs and it had rolled down again. That was the clattering noise. I had obviously used too much gunpowder. <laughs> Harry had uh, was 15 when he went on his first ghost hunt, the account he gives there, uh, um, really? with a school friend. And they'd set up a camera um, with a, uh, a powder flash uh, right. in order to illuminate the stairs.
0: Right, because that was back in the 1800s.
1: Uh, it was a early early 20th century. Harry was 15. Uh, sorry, it was about 1890, 1896. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and he used too much flash powder. And he claims to have been, well, as he said, he claims to have blown the poltergeist to smithereens. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that was his very first ghost hunt. You know, he was a young boy, um... Age 15, interested in magic, had gone up to, to the family home in Shropshire, uh, in the middle of England, uh, and had decided to explore the haunted vicarage. And of course, later became famous exploring another haunted vicarage or rectory.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, Harry Houdini, uh, did he, what was his background? Do you know his background?
1: Harry Houdini or Harry Price?
0: Oh, I'm sorry, Harry
1: Price, my apologies. Uh, Price, as I said, he was born in London. He was the son of a traveling salesman and um, his father, uh, Edward Price, had been in business himself. Um, I think he ran, if I'm right, a greengrocers um, or or a fruit and vegetable merchants and later became a, uh, a commercial salesman for a paper shipping company or paper manufacturing company. Um, Price Price's father um, and his mother there was quite an age difference between them and there was some suggestion that uh, they'd run away together when she was uh, or without the family's permission um, they'd, got, they'd moved away to London in order to be together, um, something that was later exploited by one of Price's uh, biographers as as a smear on Price himself um, we actually, a, we actually have a
0: question in the chat room about: Was he married? Did he marry
1: uh, Harry? Yes, he was happily married. Um, he married. Uh, oh gosh, uh, I, um, the, 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 I can't remember. The Paul, I can't remember his wife's name off the top of okay. my head. I apologise.
0: Been a while. Uh, since y- you
1: know. Yes, he was married, um, and he 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 was uh, married for a very very long time. In fact, some people again said that he married into money, uh, but. Throughout his psychical research career, uh, which spanned uh, well his, his whole life until he died in 1948, um, he 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 also continued to work um, within the within the paper retailing business. So there's there's no real basis to the claim that he married into money. education um he was he was uh, he was not a brilliant pupil he was he was uh, educated at the local uh public school um Public over here doesn't mean private, as in, you know, state school, I should have said. Um, Had a fairly normal education, uh, didn't excel overly, um, but then wasn't bottom of the class. He was, he was always, uh, he always... Sort of amateur dramatic company. Um, and wrote and put on a number of performances while still at school. Um, Much of this, of course, comes from Harry's biography. Um, And I think, like a lot of biographies, there is a little bit of artistic licence and colour given to it by the author. But a lot of it has been substantiated and, you know, some of his school records do exist. Although Harry did make one or two slightly elaborated claims about his education.
0: Yeah, I've been told uh, in the chat room by Nathan that uh, Super Mario Brothers, uh, the original one, the original Mario Brothers had ghosts chasing them. In fact, Pac-Man, of course, was all about wow. chasing ghosts.
1: You see, I'm no video game player, but uh, I just I just like the irony that, you know, you have these two plumbers chasing ghosts, and then you switch on the television, put on a sci-fi channel, you've got two plumbers chasing ghosts?
0: Well, uh, you know it it's getting interesting uh, um uh, there are mountain
1: men now chasing ghosts so yeah. Well the one thing we could always say about Harry Price is he never went hunting for ghosts with combat fatigues um, Although there is there is some you know, we say about Harry being a pioneer uh, ghost hunter I and- mm-hmm. He he did perfect many of the things that we use today. Many of the techniques that we use uh, that we use today were, in a large part, perfected and pioneered by Harry Price. Um, the use of equipment in field, the use of you know things like very sensitive thermometers, which he used at Borley, uh, The idea of marking objects, although not trigger objects specifically, but he did actually set up objects in order to provoke a response. Um, The idea of having a disciplined team of investigators uh, recording their experiences over an extended period of time, all of these were the invention of Price, effectively. So the idea of the structured ghost hunt uh, comes right down to Harry Price.
0: In fact, he, he wrote a manual on it, I believe, the Blue Book
1: or something like that. He did indeed. Um, for, for the purposes of his Borley rectory investigation. Um, which we're going
0: to talk about after the break. Which we're going to talk
1: about after the break. But Harry did, did in fact uh, put together a guide, a handbook for his investigation teams, which had a blue cardboard cover and was therefore always known as the Blue Book.
0: That book still available if someone was interested to look
1: at it or... uh, if anybody has a copy of it, um, they are extremely well off because the handful of copies that, that that were printed there's only one or two known to exist in the world um, oh, but wow. there is a but there is a facsimile in every um, every publication of uh, harry 's book on Borley the most Haunted House in England does carry a uh, a copy or a facsimile copy of it in the back. Oh, it does. So it's it's perfectly possible to to uh, read from it. I, I find that very intriguing, and,
0: and compare it to how we investigate uh, the paranormal today versus what Harry was doing back in the you know eighteen nineteen hundreds.
1: Well. Uh, say once we, once we come back from the break, then we can actually, we can delve into the blue book if you wish. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, I do want to talk about Borley because, uh, well, uh, I'd like to talk about it because it's uh, probably his, I think it's his most famous case, at least to me anyways, but I know we are coming up to the break. You are listening to, oh, B, so, we, we will talk about Bolian, and we can delve a little bit into that book as well, the book as well, and some of the procedures that uh, uh, he recommends for his team. But anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles, Next Generation, endless tonight, but I will do my best to carry on. I am Ron Kolak, New England's own band, Helsinki, and my special guest tonight is my co-host, and Mr. Parascience, Steve Parsons from the UK, which is about 1230 there now. So we'll be right back on Tiltionette, net Go Ghost Channel, and on. Welcome to Net radio with a cutting edge.
1: Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts.
0: For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place and oasis in this hectic world. Oh, I'm waiting for Anne to bring us back, but she's not here. Yeah, listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron Colick and my special guest, Mr. Parascience, Steve Parson from Most Haunted. See, I can say Most Haunted because you were on Most Haunted. Uh, I,
1: I was carrying stunt double for six episodes, actually.
0: Yes, true. I, I love saying that, Most Haunted.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was on Most Haunted. great ghost hunter of himself mr Richard felix too so that's pretty richard doesn't call himself a ghost hunter though does he richard is the uh the The ghost finder 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 general general right right yeah ghost finder general yeah
0: which he was when he was my co-host man international so anyways uh we were talking about harry price and and one of his most famous cases the
1: The rectory was built in the eighteen, uh, the mid nineteenth century by the Reverend um, Henry Bull uh, for his family uh, in the little tiny hamlet of uh, Borley, which is uh, in the home counties. Just not not, that, it's about forty or fifty miles from London, um, and right from the go, uh, right from the right from the very first. Uh, the building and the land surrounding it had a reputation for unusual phenomena, um, most famously, of course, the, the sighting of a ghostly nun. Um, this led, actually, to uh, the Reverend Bull bricking up one of the windows um, in the rectory in order to prevent the nun from looking in and disturbing the family whilst they were, they, whilst they were having a meal. Um, huh. After he died and passed on, his son, the Reverend Harry Bull, um, took over the incumbency and uh, also used to regularly uh, see uh, paranormal phenomena, uh, both in an, in the grounds uh, the, uh, of the rectory and inside right. the rectory building, and and indeed the church as well, uh, Bully Church. Yeah, the guy
0: they were seen. She was seen many times. The guy called the Nuns Walk, I believe,
1: right? That's right. Um, yeah. It was in 1928 that um, the then incumbent um, called in the British press, the Daily Mail newspaper, um, to effectively ask for help because he, he, him and his wife had been living there and they'd had a number of experiences which they found uncomfortable. Um, and disturbing, and that they wanted some some support and assistance. Um, And the Daily uh, Daily Mail reporter uh, made a visit to the site along with Harry Price. Uh, On that very first visit, a number of unusual incidents took place. Um, Objects were thrown, um, and a number of disturbances took place uh, during that first visit. And that intrigued Price. Um, and over the next few months, he, he, he did a perfunctory investigation, but he, he largely fell out with the, with the incumbent vicar. Uh, basically, there was an accusation made that the vicar's wife was probably the cause of much of what was happening. Remember, Price was a skilled exposer of, of uh, frauds, and he believed that the, that the vicar's wife was the most likely... Uh, candidate for causing or or being the source of some of this activity which which infuriated the the incumbent vicar and there there was a fo- there was a general falling out which they resolved a little while later um, in the late 1930s the uh, after uh, a uh, a change in 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 the uh, incumbency Price had the opportunity when the rectory fell empty uh, to purchase the property, which he declined to do. But instead, offered to rent it from the church for a period of one year, in order to undertake a in-depth, detailed investigation.
0: Now, and um, that—that to me is is pretty amazing in itself. I mean, uh, all these ghost hunters we see nowadays—they go in for basically a night and come up with some kind of a, a result after that. But imagine spending a year in the same location constantly monitoring it and, and doing experiments and whatever else they did. And I, I think that's simply amazing to be able to do that.
1: Um, I think it's it's the ideal way of, of, of doing this undertaking. But in, uh, Price wasn't actually the first to rent a property in order to conduct an investigation. Um, oh, he wasn't? in the late 1880s the society for psychical research also uh, rented a house in Scotland in order to pursue their uh, their, their investigations of balekin house um, but they they uh, they fell out somewhat acrimoniously with the, with the owner uh, over a publicity issue um, <coughs> so the investigation was never completed The idea of I I don't I don't think it's you know modern ghost hunters as you as you say they they do tend to visit as many places as they can over the course of a of a a year uh, rather than one place over the you know as many times as they possibly can. There are exceptions, of course, Um, and let's be honest: the opportunity to take a one-year rental on a property is is probably not that. Uh, common these days, um, no. so th- it was an exceptional opportunity that Harry grasped with both hands, uh, right. but mindful of of the problems because Harry had been associated with this case by this point for more than ten years uh, and realized that you know, to an extent he was actually the wrong person to conduct an impartial investigation, so price essentially absented himself from the investigation. He almost never went during that, during that 12-month period. Instead, he put together a, a, a hand-picked team. He put an advert in the Times newspaper and carefully selected his team and uh, drew up a rotor for those people to work um, the investigation, whilst Harry stayed back at home um, on the South Coast and coordinated and collated the results. Um, but he did put together what what, what 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 represented some of the very first stages or, uh, that we would recognise recognise as a modern paranormal investigation. Um, first of all, of course, the selection of the team. Um, yeah,
0: that actually is one of the questions from Linda in the chair. She asked, "What were the qualifications of the team?"
1: Uh, essentially, an interest in in in. Um, wanting to get to know more he 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 excluded um certain types of people he excluded mediums um he excluded the thrill seekers um and what he was looking for was people who who had the time who had the resources to join his team and who were just genuinely interested in understanding more about the phenomena uh, so they came from a wide variety of of, of situations. There was obviously some people who were retired. There were some from the military uh, or ex-military backgrounds. There was businessmen. There was a number of medical people involved. Um, there was a number of scientific people involved. So it was a broad spectrum of of uh, personalities.
0: And did they um, actually stay there at the rectory?
1: Yeah, um, what the, what they would do what they would do is that uh, according to the rotor they would uh, it was it was they tried to man it for as many days throughout that year as was possible, um, and with very few exceptions, uh, that was the case. Um, obviously, predominantly every single weekend there was uh, the teams were there, but also throughout the week as well. Um, so, certainly, for around about three quarters of the year, uh, there was uh, members of the the observation team in place, and they always uh, they were always supposed to work to, uh, at least as twos and threes uh, never alone in the building but that did that did also happen from time to time um, in order to facilitate the investigation price. Uh, as we talked about before the break, drafted a set of instructions for his observers. Um, which. And
0: you're not going to believe this, Steve, but someone, uh, I, let me see who it was. Well, I'll give the name. I think it was Kat from the uh, Perex chat room. Is this the alleged haunting of B Rectory instructions for observers?
1: That's the very book, the Blue Book.
0: And she That's, tracked it down that, that there's three copies, one at the National Library of Scotland, one at the British Library, the British National Biography, and the British Library in St. Pancras. I have no clue. Uh, there's,
1: there's, one of the, there's one of the copy in the Society for Psychical Research. Um, uh-huh. And there are, there are a number of facsimile copies that were made a little while later. Uh, But if you have an original blue book, then you have an awful lot of money, and there there must be at least 47 of them outstanding. Really? Uh, But they were called the blue book. I mean, Harry Harry himself called it the blue book because of its blue card covers.
0: Hmm. And and the interesting thing about it, so they went in there, and basically was it to disprove or, or prove or just to investigate?
1: uh purely to observe and to record and to document um their experiences in order to build up a volume of evidence uh to decide w- the validity of the claims being made by the by the various witnesses
0: okay so one, we want we want to go back to a little bit one of the things of course the the person that uh was most often seen was the, the nun, and do we know the backstory on the nun of on, on the
1: Bowley rectory? We don't actually, um, and the reason for that is because the, the nun's story came somewhat later. Um, obviously, the nun had been sighted um, right back at the, the earliest days of the house, and there were local associations, uh, stories and legends. Um, that linked the nun to a monastery that had existed on the site beforehand, but Price had right. demonstrated that that wasn 't the case mm-hmm. um, or the the Waldegrave family who who owned the manor of borley um, that they were a Catholic family, and that there may have been some connection between a nearby monastery and the family. Um, right. But there were there
0: were there were there were lots of I, I lots know there was one that actually named the, named the nun. Was, she was from France.
1: That's uh, right. That was um, the Reverend or the Canon Fithian. Uh, oh, I, can't, I can never get this guy's name properly. Fithian. Uh, you do better than I do. <laughs> yeah, um, he wrote a letter to Harry Price um, after reading Price's first book, uh, "The Most Haunted House in England," mm. and it was actually published in Price's second book. The end of Borley rectory um, where he goes into great length ab- about you know how obviously uh the nun had been uh, having a relationship with with a, a monk and that you know inevitably the two of them had got caught and found out, and mm-hmm. one had been walled up in the in, in inside the rectory uh behind a, a partition and left to die and that the monk had been uh, it depends on which story, but some of them had had him hung, some of them had had him excommunicated to France. Right. Um, but the, the, there was also some writing that appeared on the wall of directory that supported this story uh, and gave the name of Marie or Marie-La or Lair, L-A-R-R-E, right. uh, claiming to ask for uh, prayers and a light and a mass to be said for her, which which supported... Uh, the canon's sto- uh, story. Um, but there was never any historical basis to Well, to, I, I to understand this
0: idea. that you are actually a physical proof. You, you have the well, jawbone uh, of the nut.
1: Uh, well, in, 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 uh, after the rectory had burnt down.
0: Which we, we have um, to get into somewhere along the line.
1: Yeah, it burnt down uh, early Well, we'll get
0: to that in a bit. Let's, let's okay. go on.
1: So which bit are we going on with? The
0: nun, the nun's jawbone, which you have in your. Yeah, possession. well, that's about I was doing.
1: <laughs> After the rectory burnt down, they did excavations in the cellars of the of the rectory, um, and in amongst the, the 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 cellars, they found a number of religious medals, medallions, and also fragments of human jawbone. Uh, which they they had tested um, and they had uh, examined, uh, and then uh, at a later date, Price in a famous photograph um, has them. Uh, they're reburied in nearby churchyard at Liston Church, um, and a photograph was taken of the of the the reinterment of these fragments claimed to have been part of the nun's skull. Um, sometime later, many, many decades later, um, some amateur investigators apparently dug them up.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: Um, after using this photograph as a guide um, and had them uh, got themselves into, into some hot water with the, the local police. Um, so, not quite knowing what to do with the fragments of the jawbone, uh, they were then returned to. Uh, well, I'd rather not say. Um, okay, and ev- and, ev- and eventually, um, uh, well, obviously nobody wanted to bury them again. Um, they didn't know quite what to do with them or it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so currently, it's not very far away from where I am.
0: <laughs> right. And, and do you, since it's been in your house, do you see any nuns walking about? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. I'm just curious, I'm I, I, just
1: curious I think if she, if she's obviously uh, happy where she is, if it, if it indeed is a nun or uh, her jawbone, uh, because she's surrounded by crucifixes and Catholic ephemera and oh, church memorabilia. So she obviously feels very, 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 very comfortable. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's, let's go back to Harry Price. I, I just had to tell a story because I find that fascinating that you would end up having the alleged uh, nuns that haunted well, Borley Rectory. It was the most haunted house in, in England, by the way. Well, there's, there's actually
1: a piece of the most haunted house in England here. Um, really? Next to me. One of the one of the bricks uh, that I use as a bookend is actually one of the bricks from Borley Rectory. Uh, during an investigation uh, carried out at Borley Rectory a number you know of what? years I'm
0: going to, have to, I'm going to have to send John Zappas over there the haunted collector to uh, you know, <laughs> investigate this stuff here
1: well I have a small collection of Borley memorabilia but uh, one of them is is one of the, the bricks the, the red bricks that, that uh, were actually part of the rectory building but tonight you know the book I'm using tonight um, to refer to is obviously the most haunted house in England Harry Price's first book uh, about Borley Rectory um, and indeed you know it, it's, it's a very sought after book but probably not as sought after mine because mine is Harry Price's own personal hand annotated copy of his first book on Borley Rectory really? so there's some bragging rights for you I guess it so is there's lots of extra notes in mine because Price plan to amend the first edition with extra information and also plan to write a third book on Borley uh, at some point. And of course, so uh, this book is full of uh, Price's handwritten ramblings uh, and notes, uh, presumably working towards the um, the idea of changing you know, the second edition or modifying it for the second edition mm-hmm. uh, or and possibly even the third edition he had so, very neat writing as well
0: no, that's good now so let's go back to this team he put them in the house and, and and there's a famous uh incident that occurred about about the fire at the bully bully um, rectory uh do you want to tell us about that
1: um, how, how do you mean the fire itself? Do you, you wasn't, to, pre-
0: wasn't it predicted by the spirit? Uh,
1: well, a year or so before um, the, the, the rectory actually caught fire, um, one of uh, the, the leader of, of Price's uh, investigation group, Sidney Glanville, uh, had conducted a seance away from the rectory uh, and had contacted the the spirit, uh, which had a, a very unusual name, uh, which uh, I, I don't know. There are different pronunciations, but Sunex Amores or Sunex Amores, um, and said that this this figure said the spirit said that it was going to destroy the rectory by fire. Um, And on the stroke of midnight uh, in February 1939, February the 27th 1939, uh, the rectory did indeed uh, burn down, caught fire and burnt down. Uh, At that time, it was owned by Captain Gregson, who claimed in his insurance uh, report that he'd been sorting out some books uh, when a paraffin lamp had overturned. And, of course, the, 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 the lamp set fire to... Uh, the books, the building um, and burnt it out completely but um, for a number of years afterwards the ruins of Borley were frequently visited uh, and numerously investigated uh, by, by uh, interested paranormal parties well yeah, paranormal investigators or just interested parties um, who spent the night in the ruins and claimed you know, that the, the manifestations were still ongoing. Really? Um so this led to the the I mean the investigations didn't stop when the place burnt down. The investigations continued in the ruins of Borley Rectory and indeed the excavations followed uh its its demolition. Um Late in late in the Second World War, Uh, much of it ended up under the runways of the American Eighth Air Force, um, providing uh, the rubble fill for the for the bomber runways. Um, But there was, you know, there was even today there are little bits of it still surviving. Um, You know, if you know where you know where to look, Um, and indeed the people who live on the site of the rectory still report phenomena uh, that take place there. Uh, it's not a place that one is encouraged to investigate, unfortunately, due to its notoriety and due to its small size. Um, obviously, over the years, the villages have been absolutely plagued with amateur ghost hunters and sightseers. You know, in Price's day, there were, there were people... Organising uh, coach parties and and sightseeing tours to go and see the the spooks of Borley, um, mm-hmm. and that that indeed you know every July the 28th uh, the village is is effectively sealed off by the by the local constabulary.
0: So why uh, July 28th?
1: July 28th is the traditional day, um, day night when um, the nun is supposed to walk. And this is a historical inaccuracy, but is based upon uh, several of the sightings which did occur on July, on and around July the 28th. Uh, and so it's sort of fallen into ghost hunter folklore. that uh, That's the day that the nun walks the walk um, through the grounds of Borley. Um, so of course every july 28th um the village of or the very small hamlet of Borley does get somewhat besieged or it used to do until the local police took a uh, a more stern view of p- proceedings hmm.
0: so i mean it, w- the final the final report of his team that was in there and they did many things because there was there was writing on the walls of course that Was one of the things they investigated, and there were besides the nun And um, that is in in his first book on Borley Rectory.
1: Yeah, it can be. um, In fact, the fullest picture can be found from the two books Um, his first book, entitled The Most Haunted House in England, um, and the second book uh, published uh, a couple of years later, called The End of Borley Rectory. and there, there were a number of other magazine and journal articles that supported it, but the the entire picture can be gained from these two books, although, as I said earlier, Price did always plan a third publication, a third book on Borley. Um, th- it was never completed, and I think a partial manuscript might exist within the Harry Price archive. So, I
0: mean... It- once again, let's go into this little bit about these instructions you, you i'm not see how much time we have we only got about uh five minutes or so but the the instructions what were some of the instructions that he gave his team uh, um that-
1: well, let's have a look at some of the equipment um each observer okay. should each observer should provide himself with the following articles in addition to night clothes, a notepad, pencils, a good watch with a second hand a candle and matches, an electric torch, a brandy flask, sandwiches. If he possesses a camera, this can be used. Rubber or, sol- or felt-soled shoes must must or should be worn. Um, if we look at the detail, um, take exact times of all, your, of all sounds or happenings. Also make a note of your own movements with exact time. Record the weather conditions. Um, if we go a little further forward, when asked to take charge of instruments, examine them regularly with a torch and record the readings and times in your notebook. Carefully note anything which may appear unusual. Change the charts when necessary, marking on each uh, the time when it was changed and the date. No observer is permitted to take a friend to the house unless permission has been given and the necessary declaration por- uh, form signed. Oh, well. It, it covers, you know, establish your base in one room and keep all of your equipment at this post. This will prevent your hunt, you hunting for an article that you want urgently.
0: Oh, isn't that amazing? That's, that's pretty much what we do nowadays is we set up base camps and stuff. But unfortunately, yeah. Steve, that was the, uh, the doorbell, which means the pizza from the dead is here, and we've got to wrap it up. Uh, I want to thank you so much. But you, you know what's interesting? As I was talking to you, I was staring at my sh- shelf, and I picked up this DVD, and it says, So You Want to Be a Ghost Hunter. <laughs> Did you, you uh, ever you ever hear of that? I, I,
1: I, I, I might have done. Uh,
0: I, I believe uh, I mentioned your name in here. And I, Ann Wittspar, too. Imagine that, Ann, as yeah, well, who was, it was possibly, the other co-founder of was... Parascience.
1: Yeah, possibly because it was an idea that we had had um, a little while after I'd been on Most Haunted, uh, an idea to perhaps give a little back. Um, You know, we'd been around a while. We've made lots of mistakes and uh, learnt from them. Um, And so with Richard Felix and then later with Kieran O'Keefe, we set up this idea of so you want to be a ghost hunter. It wasn't a patronising, you know, Learn from us it was uh it was just a uh, it was just a title that was an attractor um mm-hmm. but yes a dvd does exist and can be highly commended for the outtakes
0: okay i will have to watch this thing i don't think i've ever seen it and note the seal is still intact uh,
1: the outtakes are the best bit
0: okay there you go so anyway steve do you have a website uh, that people can learn more about you
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's uh, www.parascience, all one word, uh, uk. So because we're go. over this side of the pond.
0: Absolutely. And for those who don't know, Steve Parsons is my co-host from Ghost Chronicles International, which is on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 8 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time and uh you know it's it's a different type of show than uh this one and well it usually is <laughs> but anyways and uh steve will be over here uh this october september, uh, september, september. october that's right uh, that's so right spirit quest there you go so steve thank you so much for uh spending the night with me <laughs> my pleasure and uh it's only one o'clock there so i i guess you, you still could Yes, it's early shopping. night. Early
1: yeah. night. Yes. So anyways, good night. God bless everyone. Good night. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy
0: beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good lord.